starting there. Okay, so we're going to start off the podcast. Welcome, audience, conversationalists, to season two of KTCG. If you guys don't know, KTCG stands for Keep the Conversation Going. And we just basically want to promote good conversation amongst the people, friends, family, and the people that we hold dear to our hearts. And so today, the topic is going to be voting is meaningless. And not that it's evidently meaningless, but the people generally feel that our votes don't really matter in the general space. And so to start off, we're going to ask you guys, how do you guys feel when people say, um, when people say voting is pointless or meaningless? And you broke and start off since it's going to be alphabetical order. Your last name is J, then it's M. And then when Annie comes in, <laughs> she'll be the last person to speak. Hi, Beno. Thank you, first off, for having me on. I'm excited mm-hmm. to be on. And shout out to you two for starting up this forum to have some, you know, candid convos. Thank you. Thank you. How do I feel when, when folks tell me voting is meaningless? Meaningless, yeah. Well, you know, first off, it hurts a little bit. <laughs> like, you know, when I, if I'm usually, so I, I've like worked on a couple campaigns. So mm-hmm. I've had like run into people, you know, face to face and they tell me straight up, like, you know, that doesn't make a difference, bro. Like, you know, you know, miss me with that, you know, X, Y, Z. But like our government, so we're in a democracy and we elect our representatives and, you know, you vote to get them in. And, you know, it just pains me sometimes when folks just completely disengage um, because there's just so much. Policing, um, commissioners are usually chosen by the mayor who's an elected rep, um, infrastructure, um, you know, we in NYC, that the MTA, if it's running bad, you know, government, you know, funds and, and controls out our school. The SEEK program uh, came from the state legislature. You know, you know, I wouldn't have been able to get into a school like Baruch and had the support I had if it wasn't for the SEEK program, uh, which the idea was born and brought about, you know, by elected officials. So it's just so much when people think of, of voting and they tell me it's pointless. I just, you know, it just pains me because I just come from the place that government controls so much and the the way we get folks into government is by voting and you know you can't just sit down and have you know a two-hour convo and explain to them the entire reason all the facets of their life that you know is touched by government so I just see that it's just a disconnect there and it takes a long time to get someone from um, voting is meaningless voting is, is pointless to actually see the fruit so I just feel like you know, that person was, you know, failed by society, failed by, you know, schooling, failed by, you know, their community uh, to, to be able to, like, express something. Um, as Like, again, to me, someone who's very involved, painful at saying, like, what a no matter, bro. So, so that's why I start with that. <laughs> okay. Thank you very much for sharing. How about you, Danny? I, I agree 100%. I used to knock on doors around Manhattan and Queens, I would be there from like nine, sorry, I'd be there from like three to like 9 p.m. just knocking on doors and we try to get as much signatures as we can so that we could, you know, go knock on doors another day, you know, and get paid for it, right? Um, And, you know, to support like candidates and stuff, right? And you always have those conversations with people that are just like, you know what, like politics has done me dirty, like I don't like it or you can't respect them or they're always flip-flopping, people are lying and stuff, you know? And I agree with Jabril, it comes from a position of people that have been let down by politics, right? And it's, it's been too frequently and too 
uh, and it just keeps like it's like a cycle right it keeps coming back and back and back right so having these conversations with people trying to get them to you know sign petitions or try to get them to be engaged it will be difficult right but it is crazy when you start talking to them and you sit down and and you hear their grievances right where they're coming from um and you know hearing uh and just telling them you know like hey government is literally like all over the place and politics is so important and you have this power right to to make the person that you elect make them work for you right uh and i believe that 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 source of empowerment is something that we completely forget right just because of the cycle that just keeps repeating and repeating we lose how much power we actually have and that again is something that is structural right it's, it's supposed to be that way right so that elected officials could do essentially I wouldn't say what they want to do, but uh, essentially, you know, uh, run with things uh, with less tension, right? Uh, but then, of course, there's like community partnerships and stuff like that, right? But um, I do believe every time I hear that knocking on doors, talking to family members, I, I, I try to like, you know, take it from a standpoint of like, where are they coming from, right? And, and how can we solve where they're coming from, right? Or where, how can we solve issues that they want to they want to address you know why, why can't we make that pressing um i definitely i was just saying that uh i definitely agree with both of you i don't think i understood how important voting was like truly important until i became an educator um because there's a lot of wishy-washy stuff in the education system and most of it is linked to our elected officials and who decide you know the secretary of education who decides exactly what is going to be funded and things of that nature uh so thank you both for sharing that um so on to the next question unless Ahmed you have something to share you're good okay perfect uh so despite current events and the state of the world what makes you continue to vote Jibril, you can start us off. So we got to stay in alphabetical. Okay. Um, I feel like it's because of everything that's happening in the world is why I stay engaged and why I continue to vote and why I continue to try to uh, get people involved. You know, we just went through a, a once in a, and we're still going through a once in a century pandemic. And, you know, coming out of this to have a just re a recovery for, you know, black and brown communities for like vulnerable mm -hmm. communities, uh, you have to stay involved. Um whether it's trying to, you know, dispel myths about the, the vaccine or trying to make sure, you know, there's, you know, adequate support mm -hmm. um, for folks who may be in, in, in danger of getting evicted, um, for folks who are, you know, locked up behind bars, who feel like they don't have a voice, feel like they don't have, um, you know, anyone to advocate for them. That's something, you know, I work in the public advocate office, uh, citywide elected official. That's something we was also doing at the uh, very early on in the pandemic, you know, advocating for folks who, you know, are involved in our justice system, advocating for folks who who may be um, um, at risk of being evicted. I think you, you go the other way. When you're in crisis, uh, that's the time to really get more involved, to really start asking the questions of why is it like this? Why after the pandemic, the rich got richer and, you know, folks who, you know, were struggling still are. I think, you know, in times of crisis, in times of like challenge and try and tripe, I usually find that you know it's flipped the other way. If people don't disengage more. Mm -hmm. uh, I find that folks ask more questions. Um, people in my community know me as you know being very involved. You know, during the pandemic, I spoke to a lot of people and coming out of it, more and more folks are reaching out. How can I get involved? How can I get the assistance that's coming out? Well, I'm saying one more thing before you know I kick it over to to Danny. Um, also the PPP loans. Um, mm -hmm. That was something that was huge. I was coming in and we've seen like the first 
you know, a couple weeks I was out, the Lakers got it. Uh, some other <laughs> big was like, wait, what's going on here? <laughs> like, it's not meant for them. Um, but like, that's an example of folks just not being involved, you know, um, you know, small businesses not having the access, not having the channels uh, to figure out, you know, cumbersome, you know, bureaucratic applications. And that's where, you know, you know, city government comes in, state government comes in, all supposed to uh, come in and assist. So, uh, I actually, you know, don't accept that premise. When things get worse, that's uh, that's even more incentive to to get involved and make sure, you know, resources that are going out get to where they need to go. Definitely. <laughs> I totally agree with you, bro. It, it it literally comes down to that, and I feel like now with everything coming up and everything uh, internationally, nationally within the city, I think the biggest thing I, I I actually like think about when I go out to vote and what's driving me to to go vote is seeing what solutions they have, right? We have the problems. We have communities that are dealing with different problems, right? Now, how do we find candidates, right? Or elected officials that will, will bring their promise, right? Not give empty promises just to be like, you know, yeah, I'm going to fix this or yeah, I'm going to fix that. But tell me exactly what you're going to do and how you're going to do it. And tell me it's going to help my community out, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's going to help out every community out, right? So not specifically the people, yeah, people that are well positioned, but also people that are, are not well positioned. Right, I reach out to people that don't aren't easy to access. Right, uh, specifically with language, specifically with uh, with educational levels. Right, how how do we get them to be also part of the solution? Right, and how do we get them more well off now, especially now with the time of the pandemic and with uh, with everything? I guess just getting worse essentially. How do we move forward? Right, and I think that has been like something that specifically has moved me to become well, to continue voting. Right. I definitely uh, appreciate both of you guys' answer because during when COVID started, there was like this bleak outlook that I was receiving from the public and media and it definitely affected my like outwardly, I want to say perspective and I just didn't feel motivated to continue to like go out there and be civically engaged, especially since I felt like I wasn't feeling a part of the community anymore since everybody would have to like socially distance and stuff like that. And I think a big hit was the sense of community that you can just go outside and see your community out there. Everybody's engaged or doing what they have to do. Like New York was just flowing as it always usually did. So that stop definitely made me reflect more on like what I really valued and like how things in this world truly operate. So definitely, definitely bring, giving me a different perspective with the answers you guys gave. And if you guys have nothing else to add, we can move on to the next question. Do you have any ideas in making politics more engaging for veteran voters? And to supplement that, how can we, I guess, find a different way to deliver the pitch for voting to first-time voters. So one end of the question is, make politics and voting more engaging for veteran voters? And how do we continue to convince first-time voters that voting is important and should be practiced? (laughs) Thank you, That's that's a great question. I would say, you know, folks who are, you know, already built that, that habit, of getting engaged, um, 
the, the funny thing is you kind of have to stay engaged because, you know, one of the reasons of voting is, again, to try to get your values, your ideals, you know, into government so that can be acted out. Um, I'm pretty sure there's no one in the world who, is, who would argue that we're li- we live in a perfect society. So there's a lot to still fight for. Uh, so I'm, I'm really not as concerned as, as those folks, or I, I don't have quite a good answer for folks who've kind of built that habit of voting. Because one thing about voting, it kind of uh, rolls into other things in life. If, you, if you're voting, you kind of have to be informed of who you're voting for. And if you're doing research about, you know, who's running and whatnot, you kind of know about the issues. And if you know about the issues, going to continue to fight for the issues which kind of lead back to to vote on the right people there so it's kind of like cyclical if you build that habit you know my hope is is that like you know you're in the fight you're in the movement you just got to keep going to fight for that uh, you know ideal world or uh, whatever you think that is uh in terms of the folks who are involved or you know having casted their first ballot or, or, or aren't even registered you know what i what i find is like making it real um, when I'm out there, you know, knocking doors or doing ver- voter registration drive, you know, and say I'm out here in Canarsie, like trying to get, you know, people registered uh, by a park. I'm saying, you know, you know, this park right here, you know, local electors decide how to build it up. So you see, like we have, you know, one example, we have Canarsie Park. It's like a huge field with like, you know, four baseball fields and only like one one court. And a lot of people play ball. Um, and as, you know, the, the demographics in Canarsie change, it was like, you know, 60s, 70s, it was like, you know, Italian and whatnot. Now it's predominantly like Caribbean black. And, you know, folks like to ball. And I just tell them straight up, like, you know, this isn't just decided by some random entity how this park looks. You can actually have a say in how this park is upkept, how this park is redesigned going forward. And that's through your elected officials, that's through getting involved, that's through, you know, voting. And, you know, that alone, that perks them up. Say, oh, really? Like, we can decide how, you know, I start to tell them about community boards and whatnot. And that kind of, like, you know, gets the conversation going, get them more involved. So, you know, for the folks who, you know, aren't as involved or haven't voted yet, I just, you know, try to give them, you know, examples of how to make it real, how to make, uh, how to draw it back to their day-to-day lives. You know, whether it's the L train not running right, or whether it's like, you know, the park not being kept right. I think just tying it to their real day-to-day lives and taking it out the abstracts and you can create change through voting. I think that that helps a lot. Definitely. Thank you for sharing, Gibran. Danny? Yeah, I mean, great questions. Uh, It's definitely not a silver bullet, right? It's not something that you can just be like, oh yeah, you know, like, uh, I don't know, do something and everyone's going to start voting, right? Or everyone's going to continue to vote, right? Um, I think for veteran uh, voters, I think, and I feel like once you're in politics, like once you're, once you're looking at like the things like that go on in the political world, you're kind of just involved and you're going to keep voting and voting and voting, but also, you know, trying to find different ways to create these, these lower levels of, or not low, lower, but more of like these local levels, right. Of specifically, how do people get more engaged, right. More uh, accessibility to people's community boards. Right, more accessibility to beautification projects, more um, accessibility to transportation projects within the area. You know, uh, making sure that you know people are able to get in contact with these city develop uh, these city uh, agencies. Right, there's a crack on my sidewalk. There's an uneven thing. There's a tree that's been down for weeks. You know, th- that kind of thing. Right, making sure that the veteran voters know that that they're able to get in contact. Right. And this, this should be available for everybody, right? Anybody that wants to get started, maybe new or, or, or been in the game for a long time, right? Um, but politics is interesting, you know, like once you're in it, like it starts becoming more of like, like who has the tea, you know, like, oh, this person said this, this person said that, oh, the Twitter and then this and the third, you know? So it gets, it gets, it gets interesting 
when it comes down to that. But uh, definitely just like find different ways where people get more engaged, right, in the local level, right? With parks, uh, with sidewalk, with catch basins, right? You know, all that, it, they're very important and they do make a difference, right? And in, in just, you know, one in, in their local area, right? Um, but just continuing that type of engagement, that's key, right? To make sure that they know that their voice is being heard and they know that they have a place, right? To voice their opinion and, and that will amplify it as well, right? Um, and I guess we're like the newer, you know, like people that are not registered to vote, people that are kind of iffy on it, you know, like technology. I'm, I'm always in awe with like these websites that kind of like split everything up into like different type of um, specific areas, right? They're like, oh, like who controls the budget? And then they show you like this interactive, it's like normally used by like educators, right? And do you know what I'm talking about specifically? Like there's like these different type of like websites where like you could like play around with this and then this something else happens and it's like, oh, like, it's like you click in a park, it's like, who controls this park? Oh, parks and department, whatever, right? But um, something along those lines, I feel like if we have technology in our hands, like why aren't we using that more, right? Why aren't we using that to open up levels of like accessibility of languages, right? Why aren't we putting this in every, in every senior center? Why are we putting this in every recreational center? Why are we putting this in every uh, access? Why are we putting this in, you know, community boards and, and schools and, and churches and uh, religious institutions, you know, like, why aren't we spreading this more, right? If we have the technology, why aren't we using it, right? To our advantage. And I feel like technology would be an easy way to actually show people like, hey, look how much of your life is controlled by voting, right? And look how scary it is that only 27, 27%, I believe, or was the last number that I saw that was uh, the mayoral election, right? Only 27% of the people are actually deciding this, you know? Like how scary is that, right? That's just like putting it in their face. So like if we have technology, why aren't we using it? That's a great point, Danny. I, whatever you, everything you just said, it reminded me of uh, my business economics class. And we had to create an application that um, was an app, but our idea was to basically find it really acceptable for like first time voters to know who their campaign runners are. So it would be an app that had like a list of, okay, these are the people who are running in this specific race. Here's all of their ideas. Here's all the things that are against. And that app was geared to like make people more informed of who they're voting for. And then if the government would allow it or the city would allow it, it can be a good way to like vote over the phone. I know there's like security issues about voting over like the internet and stuff like that, but you definitely bring up a good point as to why we're not trying to find a more accessible way through technology to civically engage our citizens. So Jamis, can push us to the next question. Yeah, of course. Uh, thank you both for sharing. Um, so what are some ways we can reach out to elected officials to voice our demands? Uh, the supplemental parts are what difference should we expect it to make? And how can we hold elected officials or representatives accountable? Got it, no, that's great questions. Um, well, well, there's one website that I use, mygovnyc.org, um, and maybe we can put that like in the show notes or, or wherever. Uh, it's a website where I'm probably sure Daddy knows about it. Uh, it's, it's a website um, where you just put in your address, 
and it literally you know shows you all your reps from the lo local level your city council member all the way up to your U u.s senator um so that's one way you can find out and then they have what's what's also cool about it they have all the addresses for each of their offices and all the phone numbers for those offices um so that's one tool mygovnyc.org that you can go to just pop in your address and you'll get to have the contact information and you'll get to know who who represents you at, at every level of a city government uh the second part is how can we hold them accountable mm -hmm. i got it right well reaching out i find so i've you know had the blessing uh to work at all three levels of government um i entered the city council i went to albany for a semester and i was in dc oh. for, two, for two summers yeah 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 no super blessed <laughs> and you know what surprised me is like the different levels of engagement so in Congress, there was actually spikes where the phones were like ring off the hook. Uh, sadly, I think like it was my second week and there was a, a, a mass shooting in, in um, Orlando um, at like a nightclub. Yeah, it was like my second week oh, and the phones was ringing yeah. off the hook. Like literally as soon as you hang up, they just start ringing again. And that's like folks was just activated and it was pushing really hard to get uh, an assault rifle ban. And okay. it's only certain um pressure points like that i'm pretty sure during the you know george floyd protest which you know you two shared it's kind of like the genesis of this podcast i'm pretty sure uh lines that on capitol hill was like ringing off the hook well apart from those spikes when i was in the state assembly that it would be like almost no phones ringing no one reaching out to the office and those things make a difference like 10 calls a day on one issue literally 10 calls if you get 10 people on your block uh, to call about one issue one law one bill in the state legislature it's gonna actually make it to the member more times than not because it isn't that much activity. There are spikes sometimes when the budget is coming close. Mm -hmm. um, that would be like around you know April for the state uh, assembly. Mm -hmm. But throughout the course of the year, folks uh, actually don't really you know call out and reach out uh, to the elected official. In my personal experience, yeah. uh, so that's like one you know big way. Of course, um, email, um, of course. But to a lesser extent, I would recommend if you want to get a, a particular proposal or bill passed, I'll try to work through organizations. Because uh, then that's when you're able to coalesce and you know bring more you know energy and voice together than reaching out uh, to one person. But um, if you can get a, a phone campaign or calling campaign going, the mm -hmm. folks on your blog, folks um, even across the city, depending like if it's student debt or, or XYZ, mm -hmm. uh, calling your local electeds, it, it actually you know goes a long way. So I really you know push folks to call. Right now, it's, you know, Delta is still, you know, <laughs> crazy. So I wouldn't recommend really, you know, going out and meeting them just yet. You know, offices are just starting to open. Mm -hmm. um, but phone calls and Twitter, too. Twitter is also a big, you know, angle where, you know, some electors that are very responsive, uh, you know, getting a Twitter storm going, atting them straight, you know, straight up. Like DMs, maybe not much because it's not public. Mm -hmm. But, you know, like adding them straight up, like, hey, I've called your office, I reached out, and I don't, I don't see anything, like, and just staying persistent on it. Yeah, more times than not, they don't like that. And they're, they're like, awesome. Okay. How about you, Danny? All right, Danny. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you, bro. I mean, you know, organizations, man, like, just reach out to the organizations, talk to them, you know, express your, express your plan, your project, the bill you want to, you're supporting. Uh, and, and you'll see it going a long way. You know, there, there are people that are, are devoted and dedicating right now a lot of hours to push these bills and, and push these projects, right? And if they do have the connections to, to put you, um, make sure that that, that, um, 
that goal that you want to reach uh, is, is met, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing I would say, you know, just go to their office. You know, I was a, a case, I was a constituent liaison for quite a while. And honestly, like a, a big thing where people, they would just come to the office and bring like, this record that record and they'll be like look you know we want you to do something and i'll be like okay and you know with everything just being given at you you know and this is more of course at the local level right but with everything being issued at you you're like okay i could you know get in conversation with you know if i need to get from a different department or a specific uh area or you know maybe it's not my case we could refer you to the other elected officials that that can help you right but, um, you know, going to the office is huge, right? Of course, COVID's happening right now. But, you know, calling their office, writing letters to the office, you know, anything that you're able to, like, keep, like, a record, right, of uh, when you're reaching out, right? Also, when you reach out to 311, 311 is also huge, right? Uh, a huge way to to kind of, like, voice your opinion. And, and they do get the records, right? But, you know, also, like, continuing to, like, have, like, a paper trail of when you reach out, when you reach out. Uh, how you reach out, right? I think that's that's one way of keeping them accountable, aside from, you know, the big one, which is voting. Um, but also a way to get in contact with your elected official to make sure that, you know, things get passed. Yeah, that, that honestly reminded me of when I interned at the Borgen Project, and they had us calling and uh, handwriting uh, letters to uh, the president and um, our local elected officials. And I was just like, yeah. And it was one part where obviously they wanted us to go in and, you know, we had the option of going in to actually see the officials. Obviously, I was too shy and I was too nervous. So I was like, I'm not doing that. I'd rather just call, tell you that I want this bill passed, um, and then we'll go from there. Um, but yeah, I definitely agree with those two options. Calling and definitely like walking in um, makes, because your presence is important too. Uh, so definitely. Yeah, and if I could add one more, that's like the diplomatic ways of of going about it. There are some issues which, you know, you know, depending how, you know, intense the issue is, I don't know if folks you know, want to get too controversial, but like defund the police, something like that. There's something like this that, you know, stay away from it completely. Um, another way, if the diplomatic ways don't work, um, trying to go uh, and counter protesting some of the events is one surefire way. If you're continually pushing for a bill or to get um, a council member or elected official that you know represents you to respond to something, if those diplomatic ways don't work, uh, you can definitely you know go the more military route, uh, tracking them on social media because they do usually share ahead of time where they're gonna be, and you know because I because I like work in a public advocate office, so I know some of the the guerrilla guerrilla warfare type stuff <laughs> to get elected. Uh, you know, ups- not upset, but like you know. Um, you know, you got to have them feel some discomfort sometime if it's like a really serious issue. You know, if it's the things Danny and I are talking about, like getting a park renovated, making trains run on time, that's all cool. But say you was, you know, um, uh, brutalized by NYPD or, you know, disrespected in some way, uh, sometimes, you know, they try to avoid, unfortunately, you know, issues like that or try and be responsive because it's not pretty. Uh, but you can also like, you know, watch, you know, what they're doing on you know Twitter, social media, where they're going to be at. And trying to go and meet them, you know, in person and confront them because it doesn't always make it up to them. Sometimes it just doesn't get to them. Either their staff doesn't deem it as important, or you're just, you know, that constant constituent. But you know, staying persistent and going to trying to meet them in person at, you know, events depending on the issue, depending how, you know, most times I don't would I wouldn't want to come to that, but that's also a, a, a option for our more militant listeners. 
um, <laughs> of uh, KTCG. <laughs> I can't tell you the amount of times. Sorry, sorry. I no, can't tell you the times where you see like one constituent in every single event. It's like they're like kind of like a shadow, right? Like you go and there's like, <laughs> like whoa, you're here, and then like the next hour, like oh my god, you're here again, and like you know, you see them over and over again. But the you know the elected official talks to them, you know, and it's like you know like what? Let me let me see what's your issue and like what's happening here, and sees or at least gives them like a sense of direction of where to where to, where else the, the case could go, right? Okay. Yeah. Definitely. Um, if you guys are good, nothing else to add? Okay. <laughs> so we can move on to the next question. Are there any misbeliefs that the public holds about the political field? And what are we perceiving wrong? Gabriel, please start. Misbeliefs. Um, that's a good one. I think, you know, first off, you know, just believing that um you have to you know organize a huge march or go on a 40-day hunger strike or you know it's you have to do grand things to make a change i think that's like one thing when when, when i speak to folks is like their sense of making a change is straight to you know 100 it goes zero to 100 like you know i'm gonna go and protest you know you know disregard what i just said about like going and you know tracking the member down and, and counter protesting but I just find, you know, a misbelief of like making change, you can really start small and make a big impact just by, you know, starting small, organizing people on your block, uh, going to, you know, a local community board meeting, like taking small baby steps. Uh, I find more times than not, you know, people like fail to like start something, like they have a big idea. And that's why, you know, I, I want to, you know, hats off to you too uh, for starting this podcast. Because, you know, there's a lot of things, I'm sure a lot of people have like, grand ideas after what happened, you know, with the George Floyd protest, but the amount of people that actually started that project or initiative, you know, is, is less than the, the, the people that actually like, you know, really felt, you know, some Thank type you. of way about that and, you know, wanted to take initiative. So this is like one way of making a change, getting our information, bringing folks together for candid conversation. So I just think like, and not that this is considered small, this is big. A podcast is like, it takes a lot of commitment. I'm sure like scheduling all that. So it's big. So this is like, on the on the you know higher bar end of things but i'm just talking like you know getting people together even in your friends group that doesn't normally talk about you know politics or laws or whatnot uh something wrong with your own way or you see something on the news or something across your feed like you know setting up a, a conversation um with your homies to talk about it um like going to elected you know um as Jimmy said earlier, it's like it's kind of like nerve wracking. Like I'm gonna go and speak to the congressman, but like, nah, I'm I'm good. But like, you know, speaking to people at your church or your masjid or, or synagogue or something, um, just about the issues that is, is affecting you, I think that's like one big, you know, misbelief. People just you know read about you know Martin Luther King or like Harriet Tubman or all these great figures, and they think you know I gotta go and get down ASAP to make a change. Where you know there's a lot more you know folks that are involved. I can talk to about like NYCHA tenant association leaders who never get in the press, but they just make a real true impact, you know, in the community, in their development. Um, so that's like one thing I just wish, you know, people would just drop that you have to do something grand or big or, you know, something, you know, militant to be considered an activist, to, to be uh, considered, you know, making change. So that's, that's one thing. And I wish I can just get that through people's head. There's, there's so many ways you can start to affect change um, just by, you know, starting, you know, with simple, you know, steps. Gotcha. So no, like, you don't need another Martin Luther King is what you're saying. You can just be you 
and see change. Got you. Okay. I mean, definitely, I feel like, sorry, I know Danny, you're about to go. I just want to say that that's a good point because mm -hmm. I feel as if, even personally, I'm at fault with that. Like, I feel like something always has to be grand or I have to be fully committed. Like, I feel bad if I'm not a part of a protest or like, I'm not finding a great way to get my voice out to the general masses, but thank you for reassuring us that the little steps count as well. That's that's really important. Danny, you can go. A, a misbelief that I have, right? Specifically, well, not belief specifically that I have, but something that I've heard normally is, you know, that the, the elected official doesn't work for, you know, the public or, you know, their like we have no control over the elected official, right? And I think that's that's a huge one, right? That's another one that's like, you know, you have the ability to, you know, like push someone in your community to run, right? Make them run, make an issue, uh, raise the issue, raise awareness on an issue, right? You could make someone run, one. You could vote, right? Vote them out of office too. You know, you could go and meet them in their office. You could do, you know, what Jabril said, you know, show up in their office, you know, protest, rally, you know, all those kind of things, right? Like, I feel like people, once we get over the fact that, you know, that once people start learning that they have so much power in their hands to kind of mobilize and shape politics into a whole different thing, that's when we will start seeing more of a change, right? Within our political structure, right? Uh, once people start believing that, you know, that they could run, and once we start opening that accessibility to that, you know, everyone, anyone could run, right? Everyone and anyone can run. And why aren't you running if you have your strong beliefs and you know an issue should be changed and has been, that has not been changed yet in your community, you know? Making sure that people know that it would open up a, a whole different slate of candidates, right? And I feel like we're starting to see this, right? With, you know, AOC's, AOC's run with uh, the DSA, you know, with different other parties that are running as well, you know, we start seeing a different type of candidate that's been standing up. It's not the, you know, oh, I'm a lawyer and I'm this, you know, or, oh, I, I, I'm, you know, I ran for office my whole life and now I'm running for it to be your council member, you know, or I'm running for my, my whole life and now I'm going to be your senator or something like that, you know, like we start seeing a different type of person that's running and, and that's so important, right? But how do we get to that point is to make sure that we are pushing the fact that it's not hard to run and you could run, right? And it goes back to, you know, moving it back to like organizations, right? And it goes back to empowering, you know, communities, right? It goes back to empowering issues, right? Uh, making sure that issues are heard and being resolved, right? So I believe that once we, we step over that, that um, once people start knowing how much power they have, then we'll start seeing a lot more uh, interaction within politics than we're seeing right now. And then you bring up the point of like, anyone can run. How do we not have the Kanye's of the world and the Trump's of the world not believe that they can run as well? Mm. Or do you still promote that idea? Look, any, anybody can run. If Kanye wants to run president, he could run for president, right? Now, I'm not saying, I'm not endorsing Kanye, right? <laughs> it's not, I'm not saying Kanye is going to win, right? But if he wants to run, he can run. It make, make Twitter more interesting. People will be more engaged. But, um, 
yeah, we have to open it up, right? Anybody could run, right? Uh, and I know that that opens up for a lot of a lot of people to run, right? It opens up the board like anybody could run, right? Um, but it, it just has it has to be like that, right? It just has to has to be an open slate, right? And I guess it, it comes down to like then voting, right? It comes down to voting and being like, look, now I have the power to, to, to choose, right? Who who do I want, Kanye or Donald Trump, right? Hopefully it doesn't go down to that 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 line, but you know it you know it comes down to the power of you know voting, right? And it brings us back to our issue one, like how do we get people more engaged in voting, right? If more people are running, that means more communities are being heard, right? Or I assume that more communities are being heard, and then that could mean that more issues are being discussed, and then at least a little more engagement along those lines, right? But it brings us back down to the question of that we have to answer before even moving on to any type of, you know, political structure or political, like, uh, revamping the system or changing the elections, right? It's how do we get people engaged initially as voters, right? How do we get them the baseline engaged? All right, thank you for sharing. I just wanted to make sure <laughs> that there was a boundary for him. But I see your idea of, like, just having fresh blood is important as well, not just somebody who knows how to manipulate the system in our minds but yeah make a good point so with that i think yeah jamise it's your turn to ask the question <laughs> you're too much uh so the next question is can political leaders truly represent everyone uh and do politicians genuinely care about us so so that's a that's a really interesting uh question um because it, you know the answer there for me personally is like it depends on, on the second question. The first question of can, can uh, you know, elected officials represent everyone? Um, in a sense, they're elected to represent the, the whole district, but there is conflicting views. So, you know, to truly represent everyone, it, it have to take a lot of compromise. And just given how, you know, heated our, you know, political, you know, environment is right now, there isn't much, you know, space for compromise. It's like the other side is evil, the other side is corrupt, the other side stole the election, X, Y, Z. So it's not much room for that. Um, so so in theory, yes, they are supposed to represent, you know, everyone. When you get to the national level, it is harder. Um, because then you're dealing with, you know, much more, you know, complex, broad, you know, national issues like, you know, how should this how should healthcare be set up? Um, should it be public, should it be private? Uh, military. How should we use the, the the military and you know America's might, the, the imperial, uh, the imperial system, the imperial uh, nation that we live in? It's just so much complex, you know, issues at the national level. It is virtually impossible to truly represent everyone because everyone across the nation just you know just so much different experiences. I don't want to put a judgment right or wrong, but just you know me growing up in Canarsie, Brooklyn, very different from the views I'd imagine someone going up in like, you know, Utah or some other like, you know, rural area, which is like, you know, different, you know, lived here for generations. I'm a son of immigrants. So it's just so much conflicting views and experiences really hard. At the local level, I think it is possible because you're more dealing with um, the day-to-day, -day, how to, you know, run a train uh, system well, how to, well, education is another like, you know, very, you know, charged issue. Um, even when it comes to mass, there's a, there's a like, a lot of folks who are, you know, back and forth. I'm not vaccinating my child. I ain't putting that in my child. And she, they don't got to wear a mask, da, da, da. So it, it, it's really hard. At, and that question, I think, you know, it comes down to compromise. But I don't believe an elected can, you know, truly and have everyone be happy, like represent, you know, um, 
every single person. And, and what was the, the second one again? Yeah, the second part was, do politicians genuinely care about us? <laughs> no, I'm going to keep that one short. That was that. <laughs> um, <laughs> so that one, so genuinely care about us, that's such a loaded question because it's like, who's the us? Um, is the us, you know, young folks who are, you know, trying to get other people more involved in the, in the political process? Is the us, uh, the larger electorate? I just think, that question is so loaded, it's, it's hard to, you know, answer on the dime, but, you know, the word genuine is, is very interested. I think, you know, more times than not, you know, self-interest comes in and plays a role. Um, you know, they have a job to do, they have a job to keep, um, and they're usually more responsive to the donors, to the people who actually vote. Uh, so there is some discrepancy there in who they actually care about. There's folks in a part of the district who aren't voting, because you get to see this, uh, you know, data once they win an election, once folks run an election, you get to see nearly, you know, block by block uh, type data of like who came out to vote, who came out to support. And, you know, just in, in terms of self-interest, just in terms of who came out and support you, you're going to be more, um, there's a tendency there to be more responsive to those people, to those groups. Uh, you know, say I'm representing a certain, certain block association, I see the numbers came out heavily for me. If, you know, that tennis, if that block associate president calls me up, I'm going to be more responsive because I know those people support me, those people support, you know, what I believe in whatnot. So in terms of genuinely caring, they genuinely care who votes them in, I, I would think. Um, and the people who, who <laughs> donate to their campaigns, I wouldn't say everybody, but uh, it's hard to say. It also depends who the politician is. And some of them are really good at portraying that. But actually, make it, you know a lot of you know bad backroom deals and all that. I ain't here to share too much tea, but <laughs> you'd be surprised. Politicians are good at uh, playing that game of acting like they do care. Thank you for that, Danny. No, yeah, I definitely agree with uh, with the, the second question that Jabril just answered. I mean, like it's just you know it comes down to. Well, I'm not I'm not a politician, so I wouldn't be able to truthfully answer this question, right? And genuinely answer the question, but it depends on who you ask and 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 um and where in their I guess where in their um in their administration you ask, you know, like when like is it like election season coming up? Is it did he just get voted? Did they just get voted in? You know, like it depends, right? There's a lot of factors in that one. Uh, and it's a very, very loaded question, but it depends on who you ask, when you ask them, or you ask them, right? Um, so that, that, it depends, right, for that big, that question. But uh, I guess for like the first question, right, I would say no as well. I, I, I honestly do not believe that uh, an elected official could truly represent this whole, their whole area, you know, either on the local um, level, even on, even 100% not on the like the like the federal level right um just because there's a lot of different views right a lot of being different views being thrown around and stuff and uh a lot of people that you know don't have the sentiment and then it goes back to like being how like polarized it is right and then like how different it is being like you know republican versus democrat you know and uh and then you have the the other parties as well that that take place in it right and then there's within even one's party you know there's even splits right there's people that are a little more progressive, people that are a little bit more moderate, people that are centrist, people, and then you go to like the Republican side where you got people that are more right-wing, right? And then there's people that are more, you know, uh, I guess like centrist or like more in the middle, right? 
uh, in each section. So I, I truly don't believe, even if the, the whole district was say like democratic, I believe, or like uh, the whole district was uh, filled with democratic Democrat voters. I don't believe that they could even truly vote, uh, represent even a district in that. There's just too many views and too many things, even on the local level, when it comes down to schools, when it comes down to budgets, when it comes down to trains, it's like, we're gonna put a bus stop here. Why here? Why not that block? You know, like we're gonna put a bus, a bike lane here. Why this block? Why not the next block? Why are we gonna put a stop sign here? We're not gonna, why this block? Why next block? You know, like, why are we supporting this business and not that business? And it's like, they're there to, you know, you know, elected officials are there to, to mediate. They're there to um, make sure that, you know, people get to a, a compromise for the well-being of, of their district, right? But I guess there's def- 100% just differing views, right? Things that we think that are small, but, you know, it's something as big as, you know, a business or something as, as big as, you know, the school where their children work and, and those work, sorry, where the, their children, you know, go to school and stuff, you know? Uh, I, I think uh, even if it was a completely one party district, they would still be in a lot of conflict where the elected official would not truly, truly represent everyone in every single decision that they make. All right, Danny, thank you for sharing. I mean, your comments made me think about, uh, 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 what's it called, the Albany Caucus and how we got to meet a few elected officials and I think we asked one individual of African-American descent about like, I think it was about Sikh or how they can improve our situation at the time about I think uh, budget or like approved budget and stuff like that. So one individual was African-American and the other individual was of I think Asian descent. And it were, you can see amongst us in the crowd who had the better answer and who was trying to like beat around the bush. So it looks like there's a lot of conniving people in <laughs> uh, the, this, uh, this space, but we can move on to the next question, which is what do political leaders factor in when creating or advocating for legislation? Yeah, I can like, you know, do that in bullet form and then, you know, kick it off to Danny. Um, for the, the first thing is first, it's just going to upset my constituents, uh, depending on like, is this going to upset the people in my district? Is this going to upset the people who, 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 uh, who, who vote for me? And it, it, that, that question also depends on who the, the elected official is. If you're president, you care less about, you know, necessarily like, you know, constituent issues or whatnot, you're thinking about like, you know, national security, X, Y, Z. If you're governor, you're thinking even less so. Mayor more, because the mayor is more, you know, accountable to the people um, and whatnot. So, so number one, I would say like, consider, especially if you're like a city council member, a state assembly member, uh, the first thing is like, is this going to upset the people in my neighborhood, the people in my, where do they stand on this issue? Um, you know, whether it's, you know, bringing homeless shelters into the community or whether it's, you know, again, like defunding the police, which, you know, a lot of people was just really, really hot. Um, just depending on the issue, the first thing I, I find or one of the top priority or top uh, considerations is, is just going to set the people who I was elected to come in and represent. Um, next, I, I would say is the if, if this piece of legislation or this policy has like, you know, budget implications, you know, how are we going to pay for this? Are we, are we going to have to raise taxes? Um, like, how are we going to pay uh, for X or Y policy? If we want to cancel student debt, 
you know, how is that going, how are we going to offset and, you know, make sure, you know, the banks don't come in um, and fund someone that's going to run against me. Like, oh, is your bro voted to buy a student debt? Sally May coming for me, donated a hundred million uh, to my opponent. Um, so that's like, like, how are you going to pay for it? Um, and then I would say, you, you know, you know, lastly, not lastly, but another like, you know, top of, of the priority when they're uh, deciding legislation is, you know, like what are the, what may be the, the unconsidered consequences? What are maybe some indirect effects of this uh, piece of policy? Because, you know, once you decide one thing, resources are limited. We live in a society where, you know, resources are limited. You, I think it's always smart for elected official, I would, you know, hope they would ask, you know, what are the unintended consequences, you know, of this piece of legislation? Um, if we're going to bring, if we're going to, you know, uh, make sure that there's no remote, like one example, no remote option in schools this year, uh, which is a, one of the policy that the mayor is pushing for. Um, we got to make sure for folks, you know, if there is a, a, a scare case, like how do you make sure folks are, you know, still engaged um, though they can come to class? Um, folks that can't find, you know, parents that have to go to work that can't, you know, find um, someone to take care of the kid at home, um, making sure that there is some sort of option uh, for them, you know, if they need you know, childcare issues or whatnot. I don't want to get deep into the weeds, but just, you know, is this going to set my constituents? How are we going to pay for this? And what are some of the unintended, you know, consequences of this uh, decision? Thank you. Danny? I agree with Jabril, 100%. I feel like it just goes on those points, right? It goes down to who am I get upset? It goes down to how much is it going to cost? And it goes down to, and I do believe that it goes down to another thing as well. It goes down to, you know, what I ran on, right? And how closer does that push me to accomplish what I ran on, right? Or it comes down to, will it pass easy or will it take time to pass, right? Some politicians go and they're like, you know, let me just fix something quick, quick, quick. So then when election time comes, I could show that I have shown maybe a lot of things, but they're like simple tasks, right? Uh, so it really depends on like when um, when in the season or like how close is election season, right? That That is coming, right? Because there's always these like low hanging fruit that one could take, right? And one could pick, right? Uh, that really won't upset nobody because it's like something very simple or uh, something that they could, you know, put on their, you know, on their like little ballot. I don't know if you guys seen it. They have like these little ballots, like they're like picture and then it's like, my name is Bob. And then, you know, I did this and that and the third, you know, and it's always like something vague. It's like, I've, uh, I don't know, like I put a stop sign here and it's like, I put a, you know, I, I, I gave, you know, kids lunch here or like, oh, I brought these people here, you know, it's like there's little things, right? Uh, so I feel like it comes down to really that, right? I forget what they're called, Jabril. Do you, do you remember what they were called? Like we used to give them out, give them out during like uh, canvassing. When we'd canvas, like, like little pamphlets, pamphlets, like pamphlets. But there's a different name for it. There's like no little pamphlets. Uh, lit, lit. Usually we just call oh, it. lit, lit, lit. Okay, okay, it's yeah. called lit. Yeah, yeah. So they would get like fifty of them. It's like just like packs of like lit, right? And just knocking, you leave one at every door and stuff. But. Um, I believe it depends on when you ask, right? When you ask the elected official, like, what are you, what's going through your mind? I feel like when election seizures coming, they start getting a little more productive, especially if they haven't been able to meet a lot of their uh, their goals that they set for, for, their, for their two years or four years, right? Um, 
So it really depends on when you ask. But, just for the, the non-political, lit is just short for literature. Gotcha. Yeah, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. It's, like, it's really cool, though. Oh, it's lit. Lit, lit, lit. They get creative, too. They get really creative. They have all these nicknames and stuff. Like It's called, like, GOTV. And I was like, what the fuck is GOTV? <laughs> I don't know if I... But, like, what's GOTV? It's like, get out the vote. And that's how simple it is, right? <laughs> Literally, that's all it is. And I was like, wow. Like, I thought it was, like, something else, you know? Yeah. But... I, th- I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. It's your turn to meet. Thank you guys for sharing. Um, so uh, our next question is, what resources can citizens use to stay updated about candidates and upcoming campaigns? Uh, this is specifically for like when a election is about to happen. We want to know what they're uh, supporting, what they're not supporting, you know, just getting that nice resource and information so we know who to vote for. Yeah, I feel like all, I'm always going first. I feel like I'm taking some of the answers away. I, know, I mean, if you, if you, you can literally uh, give it to Danny if you don't want to share soon. So we just wanted to go in that order so it's faster for people. Got it, got it. I'm, I'm going to kick this to Danny because I feel like Danny is like, ah, Jabro took that ass. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. I would say just like, you know, when, when election season is coming up, a lot of organizations will start, you know, portraying or, or showing what candidates they're endorsing, you know, uh, you know, going to the candidate's website, you know, making sure you read their background, making sure you read what they're promising, making sure to read uh, what their goals are, you know for the district that they're going to represent or the district they're running for. Right. And just so you know, like, like try to compare, right. Compare the goals, right. See what's realistic and see what's not realistic. Right. Uh, And really envision, you know, is this the best solution for my community or for my district? Right. Well, is this going to be, uh, of course, in politics, there's no like silver bullet, right. There's nothing that like, Oh yeah, like I'm going to change this and then everything is going to change. Right. But, you know, are we pushing in the right direction with this candidate? Right. Um, there's a, an organization that I used to work with, uh, I used to intern with, uh, and their name was Common Cause, right? Common Cause New York. And they do a lot of information. They have their own like website and they come out with a lot of like uh, portfolios and stuff of candidates specifically that are running. And these, uh, this organization is an organization that does not affiliate with a specific political party. So everything they say is pretty uh, neutral, right? Uh, they try to get people out to vote, um, in a neutral base so that the, the voter could decide upon themselves what party that they want to decide to affiliate themselves with, right? Um, but specifically, you know, just getting in contact with organizations, right? Getting in contact with, you know, canvassers as well. You know, they'll, time of election, I think it's, I'd give an award to anybody who has been able to avoid being, you know, stopped on the street and talked about, about the election. You know, I'd give an award for anybody who, has been able to dodge, you know, and I used to like knock on people's door. If you could dodge me, you know, I'd wait outside your house and just be like, are you ready to vote? You know, like when are you voting? What time are you voting? How are you getting there? You know, all these questions are asked, you know, it's like a whole interrogation, but you know, like honestly, you know, the, the opportunity presents themselves, take it. Right. But also know that every elected official is going to try to get to charm you. Right. They're going to try to give you a sweet story. They're going to try to um, tell you, yeah, this is that, you know, and the third, uh, support my cause because I'm going to change the world, right? Everyone's going to want to change the world, right? But what are they doing? What steps are they taking to, to push that, push the district, the community into that, that, that area, right? 
of course there's uh there's specifically the, the voting organizations there's other organizations that are uh, a little more focused on you know issues right so just seeing like you know like the community organizations and seeing where they where your issues lie and, and seeing the candidates they support is another way to really see um kind of get more information on the candidate that you might want to support in your election yeah no i definitely agree with that i, I would also say you know uh there's a couple you know news organizations that are, are usually good in terms of new york state new york city politics of course danny everyone you know in the political world always you know says city and state uh, which is big. If there's any local or state, you know, election, usually when there's a national election, there are, you know, more times than not, you know, national media, you'll see them on town halls on CNN, you see them on the New York Times, all those, you know, well-known uh, entities. But if it's like state and local, I would uh, recommend folks check out uh, City and State, which again is a news uh, organization that covers state and local politics. This is this other um, org called Gotham Gazette, uh, which is really focused on the, you know, localized issues, uh, political, uh, which is a, another news outlet. Uh, they're, they're usually, you know, good with um, tracking um, local elections and state uh, level elections. Uh, and I think with, with those three, that's a, that's a good start. Um, depending if it's like in your district, there's also like hyper local outlets. Cause like, you know, where I'm at Canarsie, we have the Canarsie Courier, um, they have like the Queen's Eagle. There's some, you know, very localized, depending on your, the area that you're in, like city council races, they don't really get, you know, covered a lot, but no, I would always, you know, check your, your, your hyper local, um, outlets, um, and happy, you know, folks can reach out, you know, to me to put my email or my work email in the, in the show notes, uh, or my personal email rather than the show notes. And I can, you know, help people, you know, figure that stuff out, but yeah, city and state, Gotham Gazette. I'm political. I think those three you could kind of use if you're trying to figure out info on races in your hood. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I um, add one more thing. Yeah, I just ahead, I was like, I forgot what it was called. But New York City votes during the time of elections, they normally put out these videos where it kind of gives them like 30, like a minute or two minute, like with a candidate and asking them specific questions on issues that uh, are well, specific questions on, on their, their platform, like what are they running on, what do they want to accomplish and all that kind of stuff. And it's like very, it's very like, I don't know about you guys, but I love like short videos that give me all the information I need to get in the shortest amount of time, you know? Uh, so this really does it really well, I believe. Um, and just also seeing what the Board of Election has, right? They have outlets that, that present uh, to you different forms of getting uh, information when upcoming um, upcoming elections are being presented, you know, just like the NYC campaign finance board as well. All those are different outlets for you just to like, you know, get on and, and if you like short videos like I do this, you know, the New York City votes is definitely good too. And, and one last one podcast podcasts are big too. Um, the FAQ NYC um, is one podcast that you know, um, is like some veteran local journalists in New York. So that's that's a big one. There's another one called Max Politics. Um, Max Politics, that's another good one uh, for like, you know, uh, candidate specific information. They'll bring them on to speak. And the last one I'll say, the Brian Lear Show. 
he doesn't always do candidates, but mm-hmm. it would, during election cycles, he'll do like the big ones, the comptroller, oh, okay. the mayor's race. So if you're looking for like city councilman, he might not have them on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Brian Lear usually does a good job of like, you know, borough president races, mm-hmm. uh, comptroller races, public advocate races. He'll, he'll have oh, them. Okay. Yeah. And maybe, you know, when y'all get you might do a big, bigger one. Yeah. <laughs> 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 definitely, definitely. If you guys got nothing else to add, you good? <laughs> all right we can move on to the next one uh let's see here all right so ranked choice voting was passed well was implemented this year how does that work for the people that don't really know what's going on anybody can start if you want to let danny go you can <laughs> uh, I, I, can, I can jump in on this one at first. So that one, yeah, that's at the city level. Uh, it doesn't affect state races, doesn't, doesn't affect the DA races, and doesn't affect Congress. Um, but that was, a, that was a good question. And that kind of led to, you know, uh, bolsters and you know, kind of Danny's argument of, you know, more people uh, should be allowed to run. And it incentivizes more people to run because you don't necessarily have to be someone's first choice. You can try to build a broader coalition of twos and threes and, you know, your particular ones uh, to be to have a route uh, to victory. But it, it is difficult. Uh, there were some, you know, districts with like nine people running, 10 people running um, in one area. And it's like, how am I supposed to decipher, you know, all these folks? Um, usually, you know, the strong candidates will, you know, um, you know, move towards the front, you know, by garnering endorsements um, through um, garnering, you know, donations or whatnot. Uh, but a short answer, it is really hard to decipher when you have a lot of, you know, folks running in your community and there's multiple races. There's a mayor race this year, comptroller race, there's just so much going on in the political arena. And I can't imagine what it was like for like a first time voter, someone just learned to vote, you flip your ballot and it's like nine names. Are you like, well, you even see your cousin on it? Like, everyone run it. Um, but it is difficult. And, and I would say, you know, going through some of the, the channels, uh, Danny and I just explained, you know, checking out city and state, seeing what's their profile, you know, checking out, just typing their name in on, on Spotify and seeing if any of their names pop up, if they've been on any podcast speaking about, you know, what they, uh, you know, want to run on and, you know, checking out their websites, you know, websites are caution because it's more so propaganda, putting their, their best uh, foot forward. But I think it's good to skim. Because uh, then you can see what, you know, they proclaim their priorities are. Um, so, yeah, between checking their website, checking for forums, usually when there's a lot of candidates, you know, some news organization or some media outlet, even someone that's popular on Instagram, they live in a community or do some type of forum to have them all, you know, battle out um, on some sort of, you know, even plat- even playing field where they can, you know, push the ideas forward. It is hard, but you know, you got to put in a little work. Uh, you know, it takes time to be to be engaged, uh, but it, it is worth it. Thank you for that, Drew Brown. Danny? Well, I, I have mixed emotions about rank, ranked voice, ranked, what is it, ranked choice voting? Yeah, ranked choice. Yeah, I have, I have kind of like mixed emotions, because I, I heard that the, that the purpose of it was specifically to get the 50%, the majority of the percentage of the people that vote. Right. So it's like a 50%, like the winner takes 50%. Like Eric, uh, Eric Adams, uh, our new mayor, uh, he, he would take, you know, he took 50% of the majority of the vote. Right. But the reason I have an issue with this, right. I, lo- I like how it like allows more people to run. Right. 
two issues I have with this, right? One, it makes it more complicated for people that are just getting into the system, right? The people that are just learning how to vote, it sort of kind of like starts to mystify it a little more, right? Making it what kind of disincentivizing people to to get low, get kind of jump into elections and start voting, right? I can see like that being an issue with specifically explaining it, right? Because I had to read it a couple times before I I was like I kind of fully understand it, right? But I think that's 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 number one, right? I guess number two would be my issue with why instead of being like let's get majority of the people to vote, why aren't we making sure that we're putting these funds right and these like resources that we have to make sure that voter turnout is higher, right? Instead of being like let's twenty seven percent of the people let's get fifty percent of the people the twenty seven percent of the people that voted, right? Because essentially it's not it's it's still low turnout, whichever way you want to look at it, it's still low turnout. Why are we putting these resources to make sure that more voters are more people coming out to vote, right? More people are registering to vote. More people are um, are, are making their voice heard. Their issues being addressed. You know, why are we, why are we pushing on that on that front, right? So I guess those two issues are like one of the two issues that I have with ranked ranked choice voting, um, specifically, right? The more difficulty and kind of like a a way that they you know cover it up, right? Not cover it up, but obviously I don't think it's like intended with with malice but um i do feel that uh it does complicate a little more when it comes down to you know making people get civically engaged right but then also it um i guess we're just looking at the wrong thing right i love how it opens up the floor for anybody that wants to run nine candidates perfect right but then are we are we pushing for nine candidates but still 27 percent of that turnout or should we be pushing for like 50% turnout or 60% turnout, 70% turnout, and also nine candidates, right? Like, why can't we we find a solution for both, right? And I guess that's my 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 issue with with ranked choice ranked choice voting. Even that's a mouthful. Like, can they find a better word? <laughs> definitely, definitely, definitely. All right. If anybody you guys have nothing else to share, we can. I think Jamis is your turn, right, for the next question. Yeah, so um, Jabril kind of went over this when he uh, talked about Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, So the past generation fought with sacrifice. Do we need to echo their courage to see change? Uh, And a supplement of that, what are alternative ways to fight for the things we want to change besides protesting? Yeah, those are good questions. Dan, you want me to get this one first? Yeah, I would say, um, yeah, the premise of that question of, you know, thinking to match, you know, their energy or, you know, their, you know, greatness or however you want to put it, I think it's like, you know, it's a, it's not a helpful way to attack an issue. I think, you know, the starting point is, you know, what's wrong in my community? You know, I think you, you start from there. You know, of course, read, read history books is important to, you know, know our history, important to know you know, who came before us to even get us to the privileges uh, that we have today. Because, you know, face it, we have a lot of privileges that, you know, um, didn't exist, you know, just even half a century ago. Uh, But I would urge folks, um, instead of, you know, trying to focus on matching, you know, their energy, um, try to focus on, you know, what the actual issues are. Because I think, you know, comparing yourself to, you know, the greats of history, um, it's, it's, uh, it may be, 
it may even lead to that analysis paralysis. Like, all right, so how am I going to organize and get hundreds or tens of thousands of people to Washington to march for voter rights? How am I going to, you know, organize a, a whole nation and try to like end, you know, British colonialism? If you're thinking like about like Gandhi or whatnot, it's like, it's just so hard. And, you know, more times than not, those folks, you know, started small. You know, Martin Luther King started as like a pastor and started building up. It's not like, you know, when you read, you read some of their, you know, biggest triumphs, biggest uh, protests, but even those folks, you know, started small, usually started, you know, humble, even like, you know, our, our, our day and age, Barack Obama, you know, started East, um, you know, or Southside Chicago, you know, organizing, you know, churches and whatnot. He didn't just start and just got up and run for president. Uh, I say that all to say, you know, back to my, you know, misconception I think a lot of people have due to the way, you know, history is taught, due to the way activism is taught, is to look at the big picture, look at the, you know, the grand action that you can take um, to bring about change. And I think that's like a, a myth about change. Um, so I would just say straight up, no, you don't necessarily have to try to match, you know, some of the folks out in the, you know, in the, in the history books, try to, you know, create the next Black Panther Party or anything like that, you know, just start off, you know, where you're at, you know, on your block, you, you can think big, I'm not, I'm not trying to tell people don't dream big, don't think big, but in terms of the actions you want to take, I would recommend, you know, starting small and building momentum uh, towards that so you can learn, you know, um, as you go. Other ways you can affect change uh, apart from protesting, um, so that's like, a, that's an interesting question, because, you know, I view protesting in a lot of different ways. I know most folks, when they hear protesting, they get that bullhorn going, get the homies out, you know, put out that call, you know, go and, you know, scream your lungs out in the street. Um, but protesting is a, is a lot of, uh, of ways you can, you know, protest. Uh, you could protest, you know, using your wallet, just, you know, boycotting something is, is protesting. I'm not going to buy any more of X or Y or Z product. Uh, because the owner or the, the company, you know, does things to exploit people and I can't support that. I'm not going to watch X or Y or Z show um, because the producers or, you know, the, the views that they espouse don't align with me. So there's a, there's a lot of, you know, just by your attention, just by your money, there's ways you could, you know, move to organize and disincentivize things that don't align with you and then, you know, encourage other people to do the same and, you know, expressing why you're, you're, you're taking those actions. I'm trying to think like a specific things, because the thing about protesting is really just showing that you're uh, disapproving of something and taking action towards it. So it doesn't have to be in the street with that bullhorn. It doesn't have to be, you know, you, you know, painting your face black and going and having your fist in your ear in front of like, you know, some sort of, you know, counter rally or something. It could be, yeah, again, just, you know, you, you know, using your attention and, you know, directing it away from something, not necessarily ignoring the issue, but like, you know, using the, the power of the dollar and even through uh, media, um, you know, coming on to a podcast and, you know, saying I don't support X or Y uh, because of the following reason, going on social media and starting a hashtag and getting more and more people to like raise awareness around the issue. That's also, you know, bringing about a change. I would, I would say those two, like, you know, not supporting something monetarily or telling other people not to do the same, you know, starve them of resources or just going on social media to raise awareness on the issue, you know, sometimes powerful. Because we even seen during um, the NSARS um, movement of like, you know, Nigeria, um, the police brutality that was happening over there, you know, a lot of change came about just by the hashtag going viral and a lot of people learning about it. And then, you know, the stars came out and announced it and all that. So, uh, just raising awareness, awareness on social media is like, you know, another powerful way to bring about change.
I feel like it's important for you to say that because I think a lot of there's some people that downplay the meteorized way of um like protesting even there was a song of what is it uh public enemy number one mm -hmm. don't let the movement be televised or something like that that was the motto and so i guess there's this negative connotation with uh like just using social media to protest but not actively going outside and being physically there that people feel like that's where the the bread and butter happens, but it's a, that's an important point. So thank you for sharing with that. And Danny, you can go. Yeah, I totally agree. I feel like honestly, there's different ways where one could be active in a protest, you know, different ways where one could start one, different ways that one could be active in a movement, right? And I think it's also being conscious of one's time, right? And one's life and then the circumstances that one's in, right? Not everyone could take a Tuesday off and, and go march in a protest, right? Not everyone could um, be like, I'm going to not use this bank anymore, you know? Or not everyone could be like, I'm not going to do this or I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do the third, you know? Um, so I feel like, you know, just starting it off, you know, um, pushing off initially of, of just remembering uh, or answers to it what the history shows us, right? And what, what, others done right to give us the rights that we that we have now right that the blessed us to, to have the rights that we have right now i think one of the biggest parts is you know you had to start your own movement right you had to start your own thing but don't forget don't forget that um don't forget the history that brought you up to this point right don't forget what they spoke about don't forget what they talked about don't forget what 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 they mentioned before do the readings do the research you know really structure it right because uh, essentially, you know, we're moving, right? And, and, and more issues um, start to present themselves, more different ways of, of getting connected, right? Just like Jabril said, a hashtag, right? Something as simple as a hashtag, right? Something on Twitter, right? Uh, could expand and blow up to be something extremely huge and, and effectuate so much change, right? In society, in, in, in our neighborhoods, in, in, in the world, right? Uh, but I feel like, you know, it, it starts off small and then it, pick, it picks up its pace, right? I also feel like, you know, another way to protest would be, you know, taking a step back, right? Before entering it, I forget who said this, but I forget that it was a philosopher, I think, who, who used to, before entering a movement or something along those lines, he, they would stay away from the town they would stay away from the city in a cabin and they would stay there for days. And from there, they would kind of like see everything from the outside, right? See everything from, from a different perspective to see how they would be able to effectuate change the best, right? And I feel like it's, it's important to do that, right? It's important to just take a step back and see what, what machines are in power here, right? What, what cycles are moving, right? This isn't the first time that, that, that someone fought for this. Like how, what is the structure? What are the falls? What are the downfalls of the movement, right? I feel like if anyone wants to start a protest, everyone wants to start a movement, I think that the first step would be specifically just, you know, analyzing that, analyzing that history, analyzing the cycles, analyzing the structures, analyzing the machines, analyzing uh, the people of interest in, in, in this, this topic, right? In the conversations and, and, and uh, what, was, what has been done previously, right? So it's not more of, you know, following the same thing that one, one did in the past, but 
starting their own thing, starting small, but just also remembering how to structure, right? Um, and yeah, I think, I think, yeah, I mean, hashtag is, is huge, you know, stopping one thing, but also understanding your limitations, right? As a person, right? We start seeing all these talks and I feel like we start seeing all these movements and all these protests and stuff. And, and I feel like, you know, the, the structure has changed, right? Where it's technology has given us more of a liberty to take a stance from living our own lives, right? Within living our own, the boundaries that our life gives us, right? Uh, and we see it, right? We see it with the people that are attending the protests, right? A majority of them are white people, right? Majority of them are white people, right? You, you see that, right? Um, and it's because of the structure, right? The structure, of, I'm not saying that they're not doing a good job, right? But I'm saying you see that, right? You see with the climate change, you didn't see, you see people that are, you see, you know, like Greta, right? Greta, I, I forget her last name, you see Greta, but you don't see, you know, people of color that are in the movement that are actually like in the struggle, in the power, in, in the, uh, in the conflict, right? You don't see people of, um, that are like from the Bronx, you don't see people from Brooklyn, you don't see people that are actually in issues and places where, where they're being extremely taken advantage of, you know? And, and, and I think, you know, now we have the power of social media that allows us to like spread us, spread the word around, right? And spread our ability to kind of just like touch upon issues without having to be there, right? So first thing I would say is, you know, use your, your resources to, um, use your resources and take a step back to make sure you know everything that's happening within that movement. And just to add really quickly on that, while Danny was speaking, I you know, thought of something else in terms of like taking a step back. It's like also, you know, you know, changing the world is like good and any of that, but like also focusing on like issues, you know, you may be dealing with yourself home, you may be uh, perpetrating without even knowing, um, you know, I would hate to, for someone to go out there and like you know, try to fight systemic racism, imperialism, global warming and all that. And they're at home, you know, being abusive or something like that. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, making sure, you know, you unlearn, you know, anything that you have to society that's causing harm or anything like that, like, you know, starting with you, mm-hmm. I think it's sometimes missed in this. Um, and, you know, folks are dealing with, you know, their own problems, their own biases, you know, X, Y, Z, I think even on the show, you know, one of the topics was like massage noir or something like that. Um, so like, yeah, like that's like an important thing. Like just learning, like unlearning things that, you know, I'll put on you through society or through your own experiences mm-hmm. and being and, you know, not causing any harm, you know, mm-hmm. before going out there to, you know, save the world, I think is another important component of it. That is definitely an important point. I mean, you can't change the world if you can't change yourself to begin with. So thank you for sharing and with that, we can move to the next question, which is like an outlook. <laughs> Hillary Clinton, a reflection that Hillary Clinton won the popular vote, but lost the election. How do we continue to convince people that our votes are meaningful? And supplementary, does the public have any way to influence, does the public have any influence over the electoral college? Yeah, I'm gonna keep this one short because I feel like that's such a uh, like that question is just so wild to me. It's like, damn, that is true. Like she lost the I don't know who who came up with that question. That was you, that was you, Ahmed? Yeah, that was me. <laughs> <laughs> that's a crazy question. Bro. <laughs> what? Um, but yeah, no, nah, that could be 
you know, demoralizing, especially given, you know, who won as a result of that loss. And, like, I think it happened, like, two times or three times in the last, like, two decades. I think that was the same thing with Al Gore and Bush or whatever. Um, so it was, like, when I hear that, that's just, like, that even, like, you know, dumbfounds me. Like, when someone bring that up, I'm just like, yeah, that was a, that was a problem. So, but that's a systemic issue. So that, that right there, you know, voting is important and all that, but, like, you know, kind of like i think the goal sometimes for me even is like to move folks even past you know the the goal of being an engaged citizen and voting and whatnot uh to like movement building like you know trying to change the systems that we have in place uh you know the the the, our system is rooted in you know white supremacy let's just be real and like trying to raise people consciousness to try and dismantle that um to even move past the, the the act of voting i think it's like so important um because that's uh, that's that gets at you know the, the point of like hillary you know winning a popular vote but losing to the electoral college is like that's just a systemic issue that's not like you know you can't you know blame your homie for not voting on the block that's like that's just like based in you know a constitution that's you know founded by you know partly some like white supremacist folks should just be you know real and whatnot and just to keep you know that power so like you know my answer there is like you know, we got to get folks, you know, this is important. We got to, you know, get, you know, you can't climb a mountain if you can't, you know, get to the mountain. So, yes, we have to get people to register to vote, to get to start voting. But I, you know, I try to tell people that are involved, like, that's like the, like one of the first steps for me. Like, that's like, you know, level one. Like, there's so much other stuff that you could be doing um, to try to change the system. Um, and that's like only through movement building and really going at the root systemic issues. Uh, that are prevalent in our society. We don't have any, you know, as like citizen direct control over electoral college that has to like be changed to an act of Congress. Um, but that's only like through movement building. So to have Congress like do anything of that, you know, stature, you need to get a movement going behind it. And, you know, we both know the electoral college is not really sexy. Like to get a mass movement to say, change the electoral college, like that's so far down the line. But I think like, you know, just going at, you know, systemic racism, going at imperialism, going out like, you know, global warming and whatnot, and then circling back and say, hey, one of the things that's stopping us from achieving all this big, you know, systemic change is the electoral college. I think that would be a better way of going at it than trying to convince folks to get involved to try to, you know, change the electoral college. So number one, I would just say, we need to get people to think on a higher conscious level of like trying to go at systemic uh, inequities to try to fix our electoral system as a, as a whole. Definitely. Thank you for answering that. I apologize for the <laughs> the difficulty of the question. I just wanted wow, to see, like, <laughs> I guess. Just had to see yeah. where the thinking has to be has to be made. But go ahead, Danny. hundred percent. I agree. The electoral college is not going anywhere. Uh, that is a whole like constitutional thing, and it would it would open the door for like a lot, a lot, a lot of change within the constitution. I wouldn't want to even look down that road <laughs> just to see what people would, would try to amend in the constitution. It would be like a whole, like, I think Congress would have to vote in a, um, in a constitution. Like they would have to like go into like, an, I guess like reconstruction of, of, of the constitution where anything in constitution is say, you know, anything is, is, is in good play. And, um, that just sounds like a nightmare. I honestly just sounds like horrible. That's like taking like 20, like take one step back, but they take like a whole train back, you know? Uh, but I feel like with Hillary, we, we saw with the Hillary race, right? 
and even this was in this race recently, right? It really comes down to local level, right? People are always like, yeah, you know, I vote for the president all the time. Yeah, yeah, you know, I vote. but it's like, are you voting for like your senator? Are you also voting for, are you getting people out to vote for your senator? Are you getting people out to vote for your state senator? Are you getting people out to vote for your state and for your, and for your mayoral, right? Like are people going out and people registered in your district specifically? Hillary won specifically in areas of like, that were known predominantly to be democratic, specifically in areas that were cities, right? She won city areas, right? Trump won in the areas that were a little more rural, right? Areas that were a little more, I don't know if rural is the right word, but areas that were more like not city, right? Anything you don't, you don't consider a city, like that's where he won, right? Um, but uh, I think it really goes down to that. And we saw in this recent election, right? that if it wasn't for states like Georgia, it wasn't for states like Pennsylvania, it wasn't for states like Michigan that got out and got out the vote, right? Got, went to areas that where people were being pushed and, and, and there were laws specifically targeted for people not to be able to vote, right? They're being pushed, right? And now these there was awareness in those areas and they were like, hey, look, now let's go to these areas that were, were are ignored essentially, right? Um, and are always like, you know, we vote for this, we vote for that, but we don't vote in the specific, in the, in, the, in the smaller, in the local level, right? And I think it really comes down to, are we making sure that people register to vote, not only in the cities, right? Cities are beautiful, right? But yeah, everyone's everyone's registered to vote, but are we also going out to the, you know, more suburban areas, right? Like Long Island, are we going out to the areas like, uh, like, um, I guess like, what is it? Like, North, like New York, like upper New York, I guess, like Orange County and like, uh westchester and stuff like are we pushing up and would be perfect to talk about this but like are we like pushing up to those areas right of, of areas where are technically like they have a completely different system right are we pushing people to to get registered to vote there right and not specifically in new york but in, in specific areas that have history of blocking people the right to vote right are we are we checking there are we looking there right and i think with stacy adams when she did in georgia it was beautiful you know, what other elected officials done, you know, how we were able to flip seats in Congress, you know, that that's like a local change. And that's a small change, but it's a small change to the right direction. And that would have avoid an area, avoid us from facing another Hillary uh, v. Donald Trump, right? Eventually it goes down to the Electoral College, right? But again, I'm not 100% sure about this, but a majority of the Electoral College, they are voted in. They are states committeesmen, right? Or they are people that are in higher positions of power right now. So like, I believe it was like, it's like a delegate. Like New York has their own delegation of like electoral college voters, you know, and every state has their own, right? But if we're able to tackle on the local, right? And make sure people are ready and registered to vote then, we'll see an effect eventually in, in, in I hate to use the word eventually, right? Because I feel like people say eventually things are never going to happen. But like, We'll, we'll see change, right? We'll see change going up and up and up and up and up the ladder, right? So we saw in this election done cor correctly. We didn't see it in Hillary's election done correctly. Hillary was just around the cities, right? Katy Perry came to Pennsylvania. I don't know, Maroon 5 came to New York. Great, you know? But Trump's only these like huge rallies in these other areas, you know? Like these whole areas that are forgotten completely, right? I think now is the time to, to forget forgetting them, forget being like, you know, this is not my area, I'm not going to go there. But saying, you know, let's open it up, right? Let's, let's, let's push to these different areas that we've known have history, 
of being pushed around. And now we're being, we're, we're there and we're, we're registering people to, to vote, right? And, and to be active in uh, civically. Thank you for sharing, Danny. You really, you look like you have something extra to say. No, not really. Just like, just thinking about just how far we have to go and how much work we have to do. Just like, I'm just already thinking about it. Like, <laughs> no worries. Okay, yeah, I, 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 I apologize for the trauma. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, Jamise, you got the next question? Yes. Uh, so there have been reports about booth translators being tied to political parties. Uh, are non-English speaking voters susceptible to unwarranted influence? Booth translators? That's can, like, <laughs> Danny, if you want. Danny yeah, gave feedback yeah. and <laughs> shot it yeah, this way. Danny gave some, some feedback. Oh, so hey, you can, you can take that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. Look, if, if, if all these different, like, website and organizations are providing services for people that uh, are engaged voters, right? And we don't have the, the hey, Annie, they don't have the, uh, the, the language accessibility, right? That, that we want to have. How many languages are in Queens, specifically in Queens? More than, I don't exactly know the number, but a lot, right? It's just not like, it's not only English, Spanish and, and French, it, it's a lot of languages, right? Are we getting to them, right? Are we going to, to provide information for them to, to make a decision based on their views, right? Or based on, on where they stand politically, right? I feel like, you know, um, this was an issue before, right? With uh, people that were volunteering for elections, right? And they would persuade other people to vote. Of course, the Board of Elections has them like guard, uh, has them like trained and stuff accordingly to, to prevent issues like this. But if we aren't, pushing, right? Again, this again goes again to the accessibility of voting, right? If we aren't pushing, right, uh, for more language accessibility, more ways to vote, more uh, accessibility overall in the world of voting, right? Specifically language, then we're just opening up a layer for them people to be persuaded, right? And not specifically vote for what they believe in, but specifically vote for what someone is telling them, what someone's promising them, what they spoke my language and this or that or the third, you know? So as long as we're not opening up that window of, hey, look, we have all the languages available, right? Or we have a majority of the languages available. Or if you don't, we don't have the majority of languages, we have people that are trained, right? To discuss different modes of voting, discuss uh, how to vote, discuss how to register to vote. Then we're just opening up a hole to that people could get taken advantage and not really fulfill their, their right. They're, they're gonna be voting, yeah. But are they voting specifically because they believe in that? No, they might not, you know? So as long as we don't address that issue, I feel like it, it, it would become an issue that uh, will continue to allow to get more people uh, if they have in, in, in the future um, to get taken advantage of. Gotcha, okay. Wait, Jabril, do you have anything to add to Danny's comments or? Yeah, no, 100%. I do um, some organizing for the African immigrant communities and um, I do feel uh, there, there is a you know, higher opportunity uh, for corrupt forces to come in and try to, you know, co-opt co their voices and, you know, ha not have their, you know, views rightly represented. But I think, you know, in terms of like, you know, voting and whatnot, I think, you know, especially, you know, speaking about from my personal experience, trying to organize the African, different African immigrant communities, I think, you know, getting them the, the, the help that they deserve, like the politics is, is 
it's part and parcel um, from the work that we have to actually do to make sure you know they're supported and they can access government resources. There, there's so many languages that folks you know immigrate uh, to this state to this country too uh, that they can't use to converse with the government. I think that's just a, a problem. So I think you know the, the voting and the civic engagement piece of it is important, but I think you know specifically for the communities that I organize around the African immigrant communities that I organize around there's a whole different conversation in terms of getting them the support that they deserve, you know, from government uh, before we even get to, you know, voting. What I still try to explain to them is important to get engaged, get, to get voting and whatnot. But, you know, they're trying to, you know, they're dealing with food insecurity, they're dealing with, you know, eviction. There's just so much stuff that they're dealing with that they don't want to hear about no polling booth or anything like that. Uh, so that's what I have to say there about, you know, folks who don't speak uh, English as a first language in terms of getting involved. Got you. Thank you, Yabril. Annie, welcome to the episode. That's fine. Okay. So the first question that we asked the people was, how do you guys feel when people say voting is pointless or meaningless? Well, first and foremost, I understand. (laughs) (laughs) I get it. I get how people feel like their vote doesn't matter. I get it. Because like history has shown us that sometimes your vote doesn't matter but but I just put this question out to you so why do people well people fight so hard to make voting difficult right taking away people's voting rights we're talking about like um black codes poll tax grandpa clauses like all these things to prevent people from voting for so long like if it wasn't important, people wouldn't be like trying to take away your vote for like throughout history, right? Throughout history. So that's how you know there's some level of importance to voting because they wouldn't work so hard to make sure that you can't vote. <laughs> like, um, but yes, your vote counts. I know individually, it doesn't seem like it counts, but as a collective, it definitely counts. Like who you elect into office has an impact on your everyday life. Everyday life. I'm talking about from like the clothes you wear, the amount of broadband you have accessible to you, (laughs) the cars you're driving, because that's going to change soon. Every aspect like you can think of has like a connection to who's elected into office, like every aspect of your life, even the nuances stuff like that you don't think about. Yeah, like policy, I could like, I can say this is like one of the most important things in your life. Um, yeah. No if you guys have any feedback. <laughs> no, no. Right, you guys have anything else to really add? passionate I mean. about this. I am. I am. <laughs> like, hot, coming in hot. <laughs> and, so, and as oh. POCs and Black people, I'm a Black woman, like, I don't have the option not to get political and not yeah. to think about policy and not to think about how policy impacts us and yeah. how our vote impacts us. Definitely. So, every, like, every single aspect to how I can wear my hair, mm-hmm. like, like you don't think about it, but like literally how we wear our hair and our in the workforce okay. is linked to, to policies that were passed. Like, so every aspect that you can like, I wish 
I know I feel like this is like a question coming up of like what we can do. Yeah. I wish in high school I learned how important policy really is on our everyday lives. Mm. And not even thinking about like federally, like the local stuff, mm. the local stuff too. Mm. And I feel like in high school, if we would have learned how much policy has an impact on us, yeah. we would have ran to the voting polls, right? <laughs> right? I know like we couldn't vote back then, but policy has been passed to allow 16 and 17 year olds to pre-register to vote. And I'm hoping that automatic voting just goes through also where people don't even have to register to vote. Like you're just automatically be a registered vote. Like you don't have to like sign a paper and blah, blah. And I hope that goes through. Um, vote on it, guys. <laughs> when it comes to next year on elections, like please vote, vote on it. Um, I'll, I can do that. <laughs> um, but I wish in high school we actually learned how important it was, and also like how to vote, right? Like I didn't learn about this in high school. I don't know if you guys had a different experience, but I went to a New York City public high school in Queens. Shout out to Queens. Um, but we didn't really learn about like the voting process. Like we learned about like the generic overview of it. Like we learned about electoral colleges, yeah, of course, but we didn't learn about like local elections, how to register to vote. I didn't learn that. What I should be looking for when I'm picking a candidate to vote for. Like we didn't learn any of that in my high school. No, what we learned was just history. History is important, don't get me wrong, but I also, I also would like to know like what I should look out for in the future, right? What directly impacts my life now too. So suggestions, <laughs> learn about it in high school. <laughs> like learn about it in school. Definitely. Right. You had a lot to say for that first yeah, that question, was so thankfully <laughs> we can get you up to speed. So right now, second to last question, legislation passed in Long Island that encourages police officers to sue individuals who harass them because of their profession. This will evidently affect protesters who actively defy the violent authority of police. Is this a sign of how government will attempt to silence the public in terms of like voting? That's a thinker. <laughs> you want, you want to jump for that one first? Or you, I need more space. I got a lot of heat coming. Can you, can you repeat the, the second part of that question? Oh, the, the second part is just, is this a sign of how the government will attempt to silence the public? Or Jabir, you can take it away. Yeah, I, I can sort of. I feel like, so the, the thing about that question, I want to, I feel like this, the scope is uh, is a bit, uh, why towards the end um, because that's like one area one you know county and whatnot not that you know it should be ignored uh, definitely got to take that serious if, if, if you know laws like that are passing I don't think the executive in that county actually signed it through I think it's just sitting on on their table correct me if I'm wrong but I'm just I'm just trying to say that that one example I think it's um it's farther away from the, the general consensus of course you know, police brutality or anything like that um, should be taken with like utmost seriousness. And there shouldn't be any type of laws that kind of like, you know, 
uh, kind of chill, you know, folks' First Amendment rights to come out and, you know, voice their opinions. Of, of course, we don't want to have, you know, folks being um, hurt or, quote unquote, I don't know, harassed. I don't, I don't buy the harassment piece of it, but, you know, we don't want, like, officers and whatnot being, you know, physically hurt or whatnot. Uh, I, I'm assuming, like, that part and there are parts of New York that are more conservative, more, uh, for back, lack of a better term, cop-friendly. And I think that's where, you know, that is stemming from. They, they love to support, you know, the men and women in uniform and all that. I think, I think that's where it's coming from, uh, and less so from, I think, like, you know, any serious effort at necessarily protecting those folks. I think it is uh, to really deter folks from, you know, coming out and exercising their rights and, you know, voicing their their um, anger with the system or their discomfort or their disagreement with the, the system. In terms of saying this is a way government is, is being um, or a tool government can use to like kind of, you know, stop folks from protesting. I don't think like stuff like that will fly in, in most areas. Um, so like government as a whole, I don't see that as being a, a law that any legislature, especially NYC, will have any appetite to even propose because we'll get them right out of here ASAP if they, they try to pull some stuff like that. Um, so I think that's more like, you know, the, the, the cop friendly, you know, I support the men and women in uniform areas, part of New York, part of uh, the country. Um, and, you know, those areas, there are less protests in general, usually. And I think they were just reacting of what happened over the summer uh, with George Floyd and whatnot and try to use that uh, to even, like I said, remember, we had the question of what do politicians uh, consider when passing policy and legislation? I think if it's an election, I was assuming that may have been passed an election year to make them seem like they're, you know, tough on crime or, you know, they support the, the folks, the men and women, as opposed to like any serious, you know, policy effort at protecting those people. And I think uh, I'll leave it there, you know, leave space for Danny and Annie. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Danny, Annie, anybody first? So that bill, so like, again, it goes back to Nassau County is very different than New York City, very different than New York City. And they're just like very different communities and very different um, ideologies that go around there. But it really shows, you know, the importance of, you know, starting off local, right? And making sure we're engaging people locally, right? So the person who passed, who presented this bill, right, was voted in, right? And we had to like get, get to that fact first, right? They were voted in by group people, right? I don't exactly know what the turnout in that district was. I don't know who voted, when they voted, when the election was. I don't know who the person that passed the bill, who presented the bill is, right? But we need to, we need to see how this is like kind of like the scary power that, you know, local power has other than, you know, a federal power, right? Um, that, a, that a bill of this category would be presented, right? In its idea that it will be presented as a law and they'll write it down. So the executive, Nassau County executive, uh, I think Laura Karan, Karan, she vetoed the bill. So it's not, it's, it's the bill is dead essentially, but um, it just shows you how scary, right? And how, when this first came out, everyone was going all around social media. There was, you know, calling campaigns. There was mailing campaigns. There was like, let me get in your face campaign. Like, let's, like, let's hit the streets campaign. There were, they were militarizing. They were just out there. They were ready to go, and it just shows you how, how crazy it, when when people push themselves, how elected officials will respond, right? How elected officials recognize, I work for the voters. I work for the people that are there, the people that are pushing me, right? 
And I guess like it goes back to like really like recognizing the power that we have, right? To stop bills like this being even presented, right? Because this should have a space anywhere, right? Um, because it's it, yeah, it shouldn't be presented anywhere, you know. Um, so I feel like this really speaks to I don't know. Again, this the second part of the question is it really going to stop? As if we're not being pushing people and pushing communities to be civically engaged, then we are allowing elected officials to run with whatever they want to run with, right? And I guess the question opens up, uh, if we are not being able to kind of spread the word and, and get people registered to vote, we ourselves are allowing people to take decisions for us. We're allowing them to put the structures in place. We're, we're giving them that permission, right? If we're like, we're not gonna vote, right? And, and I think it brings down to, again, like the power that we have and we hold in our hands, you know, it's, it's specifically on that, you know, um, specifically on, on going to areas that people never go to, right? New York, yeah, New York City is protected, New York City is like, but very, 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 very protected, very protected. I'm talking about like this district in Texas. I'm talking about a district in, uh, a district in, in Michigan, right? I'm talking about a district in Pennsylvania, right? Not like Philadelphia. I'm talking about, I don't know, Harrisburg, right? Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, right? What's happening there? Who are the elected there? Where are the, the voting booths there? Like those areas, right? Specific areas that are not really paid, paid much attention to. What's happening there, right? Because imagine if New York City has voting turnout for 27%, I can't imagine how the voting turnout in those areas are. Thank you very much, Danny. That, that's a powerful answer you have there, Andy. I have to agree with both the gentlemen on the, the panel, of course, right? Um, I, I like this question because I think we're so used to being in like this New York City bubble and this blue bubble, but like I grew up less than an hour away from Nassau County, like in Queens. So Nassau is pretty, it's, it's pretty close to where I grew up from. Like it's, like it's hair is like, like, I think like we always think like New York is blue, New York is blue. We don't have um, laws and bills to like discriminate against other people or protesters or we're so liberal, we're so liberal. But in reality, hmm, if you cut out like New York City and a couple um, upstate counties, a couple, we're not that, we're not that blue. So I, I like this question a lot. Um, other note, I don't believe in harass, harassment in any kind, it's okay. And, and any kind for a public servant, and I get that, but like this bill is targeting just the protesters. Like we know what, who they're targeting, protesters for Black Lives Matter and who are um, against police brutality. And it's a difference between protesting and harassment. Of, uh, is a clear line for that. It's a clear line for that. And there are already laws and bills in place if you harass or um, abuse or offend an officer, you're- um, Huh? That's times 25 in federal- Right, <laughs> right. And, and in reality, like public servants have that, that protection. Well, some, cause I don't have that protection as a public servant because I was appointed, but still, I don't have that. And I'm sure like Danny and Jabril have worked in offices and we've, I've gotten like heat from people before, like 
but like I'm not protected under that law. Not at all. Not at all. Like if you harass me, you're getting the sentence like all civilians. But if you harass like someone from like NYPD or a police officer, best to believe like they're gonna you're getting a heftier, you know, punishment, whatever. Um, but they have protections already in place. They they do. Now protesters, do they have protections in place when people when police harass them? Not really. Mm-hmm. Not really. So <laughs> um also just putting it out there because I've been reading up. There has been like um elected officials that wanted to like if you harass a police officer or or abuse a police officer, they wanted to charge it as a hate crime. Like it's out there. So in New York state, you know, you want to say like, we think we're all blue. No, like they want to charge it as a hate crime. So, sorry, what was the second part of the question? The second part, let me see here. Like, is this a sign of how government or the powers that be will attempt to silence the public? I do think it was like an attempt because it was clearly a target on who they wanted to keep down the protesters. So um, I'm not going to say government because keep in mind it is Nassau County and it's a local bill that was not passed, well, it passed, but not signed, thank God. Um, But I think it's just so important to like keep informed, right? Just current events, like turn, like if, cause I get this a lot. If you watch the news and you have an issue of like what was passed, call your elected official, write your elected official, show up. I know COVID protocols, but like show up. Like if there's something that upsets you so much, cause let me tell you, people do it like on the other side. What I mean, like the other side, like, like about this bill, I'm pretty sure that there was people for this bill that contacted their elected officials and were like, we want this passed. Definitely. Right. But on the other side, the, the sometimes it's quiet, like, cause a lot of people don't know and I get it. We work, we're busy, but like keep informed. We'll try to. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thank you for that, Annie. And now we move on to the last question, which will be given to us by Janice. Like, why you say it like that? Uh, so our very last question, um, are we in danger of having our right to vote stripped away? So nice, simple thought process. Are we in danger right now in this moment? Are we in danger of having our right to vote stripped away? Constantly. <laughs> Constantly. Uh, I'm... Do you mind me going first? Good. Yeah, okay. of course. Go ahead. Constantly, like, have you heard about like what's happening in Georgia? Like, like little even policies, like you're not allowed to like feed people on the polling line or give them water on a polling line, even if you're nonpartisan. Like little tactics like that can stop people from voting easily. I'm like, I don't want to stand on this line and get dehydrated. Like, you know, like little tactics like that like, yes, like your vote is always in jeopardy or your right to vote is always, it can be always be in jeopardy. 
So that's why it's super, again, it's super important to be civically engaged. Even when you don't, I know you don't have time and I get it and I get it, but reach out to the folks that do have time. Like if you can't ask that question, make sure you have a friend that can ask that question for you or you have advocates in the community like Jabril and Danny that are going out and doing the field work to fight on your behalf. Definitely, definitely. Who wants to go next? Uh, Dan, you want to take it? Yeah. So, uh, I think it goes down to like, you know, again, it, it, all, it all circles, right? It circles, you know, back to how important the local level is, right? And now I'm not, I'm moving away, I'm moving away from like, you know, mayor, councilman, council members and stuff like that. And I'm moving to judges, right? How important judges are and how much of a role, a majority of them are elected, right? And how a majority of them run campaigns, but during election season, we only see one judge. We see two judges. We don't know their name. I don't even know their name. I know they're on the ballot. I know they're a Democrat or, or whatever party they're affiliating with. That's about it, right? And I guess it's, it's so important to now look into those because when it comes down to like, you know, uh, legal challenges and stuff like that. It really, it really brings down to who's representing the case and who's 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 the judge hearing that that law if it's unconstitutional or not constitutional. Right now, if it's a problem of if if it's constitutional or not, you would go up to the Supreme Court, right? And that again goes to your civic duty of the president, right? Making sure you're voting for the president, making sure you're voting, but it also goes down to local issues, right? Local cases because that marks presidents, right? President that uh, that affiliates every every hearing and every holding that, that eventually comes out. But, you know, there's going to be different ways that people try to mystify it, right? I think the best way to, to get rid of people's voting rights, right, or these challenging them is, is to mystify it. If people don't understand it, they're not going to do it. If it's too hard, they're not going to do it, you know? I don't blame them, you know, because I have a lot of things to do too. So, like, if you're telling me that I have to do this and that and the third and the fourth, and then also I'm not going to have water or food on the line when I'm, when I'm waiting, right, I'm not gonna do it, you know. Like it's 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 more barriers for one to actually be able to to accomplish what what needs to be accomplished, right? Uh, and, and I feel like if people aren't being civically engaged, we're allowing people, we're allowing elected officials to to run in and and present these these bills, present these these laws, and and present these new uh, these new forms of like policy or, or or projects they're trying to start, right? And they'll always give you like a, a weird answer. You're like, oh yeah, it's not because like, you know, the water bottle that they give you can have like a elected official's name under the cap or they're going to have like, it could be all blue colored water or some or red colored waters. Or, I don't know, but they'll give you the answer to try to like sway you to be like, oh yeah, I guess that's a good law. It's not a good law. But it, it comes down to, are you being civilly engaged to start, right? And I, get, I guess like there'll always be those barriers like we've seen in history, right? With the tests, with, with the taxes, you know, with all that kind of stuff. Now we see in the present with language accessibility, we see it with different laws that are being presented. We see it with different closing uh, election booths, election areas being closed down, churches, uh, senior centers, stuff like religious institutions, schools, right? They're being closed. Oh, this is not a polling site anymore. You got to go 20 blocks down. There's your new polling site. For a senior that is for a senior that just limits them, right? For me, I'm like, all right, maybe I could drive down 20 blocks, right? For somebody else, they might not be able to. They might not have the time. There might be a crazy line because now that that point area 
has two districts or has, has, has more people coming to that area, there's more in line, right? There's people with less time, right? There's circumstances in life where people try to try to enter uh, or try to be civilly engaged, right? But again, it goes knowing your limitations, right? And I feel like if you're not civilly engaged in the beginning, you're allowing people to present these barriers so that, you know, these polling sites could eventually close so that these, these barriers open up, right? And the only way we can stop it is by being civically engaged, getting involved in the local level, right? Voting for all of them, knowing everybody's name, right? Not everyone, but people that you kind of like affiliate with or, or like you're a little bit closer with, right? So if, is our right to vote getting taken away? I believe if, if we continue on the route that we're going on, uh, I believe that, yeah, it, it could eventually be not, not taken away, but there could be so many barriers that it might not even be a right to vote anymore, right? It might not even be as easy to vote as, 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 oh, let me go on my phone and vote. But it might be very difficult to vote and that'll just decrease the numbers even more. And it will give a lesser responsibility for elected official to be held to a specific standard. Okay. All right. Um... Yeah. yeah, no, I, I agree. Just quick, I know we got two minutes, uh, one minute. I, I agree with both Danny and Annie. Yeah. You know, at the inception of this country, none of us would have had the right to vote. It was just like only, you know, uh, land only white men. And then, you know, had to fight, struggle, civil war, all that mm -hmm. to even get, you know, folks of color to vote, to even get women to vote. Mm -hmm. uh, so if we don't continue to engage, you know, that right can be taken away. I, I would stay straight up. Folks' rights are being taken away even today. Mm -hmm. uh, you get... Uh, convicted or accused of a crime or wrongdoing, you get disenfranchised and you know who that affects disproportionately. So, you know, we still live in a, you know, racist white supremacist system and our right to vote will get taken away if we sleep at the wheel. Uh, so we got to continue to stay engaged, continue to vote, continue to get uh, folks engaged. All right. Thank you for that. With that, that's the last question of the day. Thank you very much for Annie for coming in late, but you did share. We did get some of your energy. Hopefully that rubbed off <laughs> to the audience. Unfortunately, Jamise had to go. She had a therapy session to attend to at two o'clock. But um, I just want to end the podcast off. If you guys would like to give me feedback, I can like write down notes. You can stay a little bit after the podcast. If you have to go, you can go. And to the audience, thank you very much for listening to Season two, episode one, voting is meaningless. And I'm going to end the recording right now. See you on to the next episode.